It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions. You are Locked On Packers. Your daily podcast on the Green Bay Packers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team. Every day. And you are Locked On Packers. Hello, this is Bill Huber, the publisher of PackerReport.com, part of the Scout.com network, which brings you some of the best NFL and college football coverage that you will find anywhere. I'm talking to you from Lambeau Field, following the Green Bay Packers' 26-10 victory over the Chicago Bears on Thursday night. And as always, I'm joined with, for the post-game podcast with my Pack Report colleague, Keith Rordink. And before I get rolling, I want to thank you for listening to this podcast and helping to make the Lockdown Network the fastest-growing podcast network in the world. Be sure to check out Lockdown Bears with Arthur Arkish, Lockdown NFL, and Lockdown Fantasy. And also, please go over to PackerReport.com. We have complete coverage from tonight's game, including my post-game numbers piece and a lot of offense-centric stuff. And a really cool thing over at Packer Report, annual subscribers get a year subscription to Sports Illustrated. You can't beat that, and along with our 10% discounts on tickets through Ticket Monster and 10% discounts on gear through Fanatics, Pack Report is a great, great deal. Along with the content, you get a lot of great things. I'll pay for your subscription almost instantly. And with that, on with the show. Keith, this podcast would have been a lot different if they called this game at halftime. But fortunately for uh, the 78,000 fans in attendance, the, uh, the offense decided to come out of the locker room. I, I was ready to start drinking scotch at halftime, Bill. Ah. It's a, it's a follow-up to our, our last post-game podcast. But, yeah, it's funny. Six to three at the half, we're sitting there really feeling like we're watching maybe one of the strangest games we've ever seen. They can't really run the ball. They've got Don Jackson, who gets called up from the practice squad. He gets, what, two carries, hurts his hand. they got to take him out, out of the tunnel. Then he, then he falls. He slips at the bottom of the tunnel. Oh, I, I didn't see that. Did you see that? No, I didn't see he that. He took a nasty spill at the bottom of the tunnel. You're thinking nothing can go right for this kid. Nile Davis gets, what, one or two carries in the game. So you're thinking, well, what's going on? And, I mean, it's just the Ty Montgomery show. But, but again, you're sitting there 6-3, to three and you're just, you don't even know what you're watching. I guess it, it, we might have felt a lot different if Randall Cobb had caught both, if not at least one of those touchdowns. He had the one at the, at the back of the north end zone where he got, uh, he got his feet down, but he was kind of bobbling it, and then he had it popped out. I don't know if you count that as a, as a drop. or a, That's a good a, play by the defense. Pass I, give him I thought so, too. And then you have the one on the, in the south end zone where he gets one foot down and he just takes a hard shove from the defender and gets knocked out. So, you know, again, six to th- those both ended up being field goals. Six to three might have felt different, but, yeah, through the half, it just it felt like one of the, the weirdest games I'd ever seen. I was talking with, uh, you know, our fellow Packer report writer, Matt Tevish, and we're like, when have, you, when have you seen the offense look this off? And, you know, we were going back to the 05 season just struggling to think of it, but, man, oh, man, what a difference a half makes, right? They were so bad. My dad had a phrase. I think it was about the Brewers back in the day. They were so far down, they had to reach up to touch bottom. 
<laughs> I'm thinking, that's the Packers, because right when you think they can't get any worse after that Cowboys game, they're awful. And I'm sitting there thinking, holy four-letter word I can't say, I'm going to be writing a Mike McCarthy's going to get fired story tonight. That's what I was thinking. It was, I mean, it was bad. And, and like you said, you're, it's a short week. So, you, you know, what's going to happen on a short week? There, there's got to be some kind of some kind of pall of depression when Eddie Lacy now goes on injured reserve too. I'm, I'm sure when you're already struggling, and they can they can put on whatever kind of front they want to us and the fans, and they can sit there and say you guys are worried about it, but you know inside here, inside the room, you know we look each other in the eye, and you know all those those great sports cliches. But how could those guys not be a, a little concerned? coming off of that horrible performance at Dallas and then getting more bad news and and then the way the game starts. I mean, again, there were boos. There were boos in the crowd, and, and justifiably so. Then the third quarter happened, and then it was remarkable. It was like, this is... Well, it's not the Packers' offense. I mean, this... I don't... This reminds me... During the, they, made, they put together three straight touchdown drives, and I thought, this is the New England Patriots. This is a Patriots offense oh, yeah. where Tom Brady... Doesn't really matter who he's got. I mean, he's got Gronk, and he's great. But it doesn't matter who's out there. It could be this running back, that running back, this receiver, that I mean, a bunch of guys you never heard and of. That whole sense and it of doesn't matter. Something out of nothing. Right. Oh, this guy's hurt. That's no problem. Running backs hurt. That's okay. Backup running backs hurt. That's okay. Running back from Nevada, we promoted from the practice squad that you've never heard of. He got hurt. That's okay. We're just going to take this receiver and we'll play him at running back. And we'll throw to all these other guys and we'll throw 56 times a day and somehow we'll win because that's what we do. And again, that seems like a very Patriot thing. It didn't seem like something the Packers were capable of. And, and again, before they put together those three scoring drives, you had outside linebacker Leonard Floyd hitting Rodgers, causing a fumble again. Ball goes bouncing into the end zone, and he falls on it. I mean, it, it felt like uh, Irving from last week who had three forced fumbles for Dallas, and now you've got this guy with a, a strip sack and a fumble. And again, you're saying there, there's Rodgers losing the ball again. There's Rodgers not following fundamentals. There's Rodgers not doing all the things he told us he was going to do last week at his postgame press conference. So I sit next to Rob Namoski from ESPN, and he, he got a staff from his sports and info guys. That's Rodgers' fourth fumble recovered for a touchdown since week 16 of last year. He'd hit one in his career. God, Just a mind-boggling stat. So now you're down 10-6, and again, I'm thinking they're going to lose, or maybe, or maybe, or maybe they'll win, but clearly McCarthy's going to get fired over this. Maybe not this minute, but this is, this is the end of the line for this team. This, this team is done, and they're going to blow it up. That's what I'm thinking. It's 10-6, and then something happened, and then that Patriots offense showed up, and... Aaron Rodgers in the, in the second half, 20 out of 26, 176 yards, three touchdowns, 132 passer rating. How would you like to be a fly on the wall at halftime? What what goes on? And, and to me, isn't this the, I mean, isn't this the the big the big mystery of of sports of of any anybody who is great and then struggles and then somehow mysteriously out of nowhere manifests that greatness again? You know, I. I feel like we've, we've tried so hard to put our finger on why the offense has been out of sync and why they've struggled. Is it our defenses finally figuring out McCarthy's passing routes? Is it is it Nelson? Is it the complete lack of a deep threat? Is Rodgers trying too hard? Is he not trying enough? Is it a combination? You know, and I don't know what to compare it to. It, I mean, baseball isn't the same, but since it's the postseason, 
you know, you, you look at a, a great hitter that goes into a slump. Why, why did they go into a slump? And then why did they come out of a slump? And it, it's totally different because it's that, that mano a mano of, of being in the plate and facing a pitcher. But you still have, you know, it's, it's been so, so just dumbfounding of how a guy of Rogers' obvious and apparent talent has just stunk. He's just stunk. And what? And then what happens at halftime that he comes out and just looks like old Rodgers? I don't know. It was – obviously there's a lot of dinking and dunking. I mean, they, they threw the ball oh, more than yeah. 10 yards on the field, maybe but 10 still, times in the game. He was, he was dinking and dunking earlier in the year and missing guys. Yeah. Dinking and dunking behind him and ahead of him and over their head. And, man, he looked sharp. He did. Um, for one, you, I think – Nelson got one catch, and, and you think, you know what? Maybe this is a good thing. It's, I mean, not that Nelson got one catch, but I think he's been over relying on him, or maybe trying to force oh. him to get him back into it. Maybe that's good that he's kind of moved on to to other options. I think two, it was good that he did throw it short. Yeah, I mean, just to get get his confidence. He up. got things going, and rather than trying to force big plays that weren't there, I mean, he, it was. It was quick and it was in rhythm. It, and yeah, it's no good that Lacey's out, but it's, I think it forced the Packers to go into a different route offense. So I just think all these things potentially are good with I the think, Astros that they played the Bears. I think so. Well, yeah, it, it, right. They played a, a, a Bears squad that is one in five and banged up and even more banged up after, after Peppers and Matthews uh, you know, broke Brian Hoyer's arm. Uh, certainly not not intentionally, but just with a just with a hard hard hit. But yeah, I mean, is for some inexplicable reason, is everything that's gone wrong with this team the reason things are going right with the team? Is 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 a uh, you know Zen is Zen is that kind of sounds? I mean, you're just you're forcing guys into different roles. You're forcing yourself to rely on guys that you didn't think you were going to have to rely on. I mean, nobody thought. You know, I, I don't think what Randall Cobb did is stunning, but nobody probably thought the the stars of this game were going to be Devontae Adams, who you know, with a, a record-breaking night of 13 catches for 132 yards, and then Ty Montgomery running and catching, and you know, 20 catches over the past two games. So, is somehow forcing them to to really just go against everything they've come to know in the offense, really giving them a, a different kind of kind of focus that that's leading to success. I don't know. I mean you hope they you hope they keep this up. I mean maybe this is a good you know, you can you can talk about getting out of your comfort zone, but they've really been forced to do things just completely differently than they've ever had to do before. I had to look up the phrase I forgot it. Necessity is the mother of invention. I think, it's a, I think it's a fitting phrase. They're, they were forced to because you have no running game. There's no pretense of a running game, and what they're doing in the passing game wasn't working. And I don't know, maybe, maybe it was just the way it worked out, but it looked like there was a whole other game plan and a whole other offense and a whole other quarterback out there. And, and maybe it's because you couldn't overthink it. You couldn't. Right. How, do you, I, how do you really game plan for something that you've never done and you really have no way of knowing if it's actually going to work? And then you go out there and you're doing something – you know, kind of, kind of crazy and in cedar pants, and suddenly it starts working, and that's where you get that, you know, that that kind of, you know, you get that mojo going. You get you get all that uh, kind of uh, you know indescribable stuff that that helps athletes succeed, and, and things start clicking, and you you get that chemistry, and 
you know, it's, it's, it's easy to look at tangibles and it's easy to look at numbers and it's easy to say what should happen on paper. But, you know, so much of sports and competition is it's mental and it is that intangible. And it's that, that weird little occurrence where one guy thinks he can at the same time that the other guy is maybe doubting if he can. I'm glad you said that during on a serious XM radio show this week. Uh, Favre has his own show. Of course, he was asked about Rogers on his show, and, and he mentioned confidence being a factor. Mm-hmm. Thought there's a guy who was pressing, and, and maybe he's lacking some confidence. And Favre related him to himself. This is when you when you go through hard times that you can lose some confidence. So you know what? Maybe maybe today is a good step in the right direction on that end. Um, it wasn't great, obviously. We, we talked about this before. The first pass that Cobb in the hall in the end zone. Jordy Nelson's open in the corner of the end zone by 20 yards, oh, yeah. at least 20 yards. And then the, the sack strip, too, where this is what, I think six fumbles for him this year? Or five, I think it's six fumbles. I mean, he went through a four-year stretch where he never had more than five in a whole year. And I feel like many, and I guess I'd have to watch them all back to back to back to back to back, but I feel... <laughs> There's a that, good loop of them. Five, five backs, but don't you feel like most of these are on him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, two hands of the ball. Right, holding the ball out there and just again, and, and it's not it's not happy feet. He's looking for something. He's looking downfield, you know, and that's why he's not seeing these guys. But again, he used to, you know, he used to have that that kind of spidey sense where he just knew when guys were close and he pulled it down and he and it looked like he was trying to start to pull it down, but again, a split second too late. Enough about Rodgers. How about Devontae Adams? What a great story. I mean. You were here last Sunday. Yeah. He is knocked out by Sean Lee, and you think, holy... I mean, they, yeah. they, they, brought, the, they brought the board in for him in 30 seconds. It was... I mean, they had the board, and it's like, holy crap, this is bad news. It was... And I went back and watched the replay of that, Oof. and it was, it was worse than yeah. what I remembered in my head. Honestly, Rogers, man, Rogers led him a little bit right into Sean Lee, but he's, you know, he's, he's coming... He's coming from the right, and he's crossing in, and he's looking inside, and he makes the catch. And, I mean, Sean Lee just comes across and just just crumples him. And Adams falls to the ground. I, I, I write about this in, in tonight's game story, Bill. And, you know, he Adams makes the catch, 12-yard catch. So it was third and 11, so he gets the first down. But, I mean, he's just laying there kind of kind of propped up on his on his elbows and forearms, and he's just – He's down, and I mean the ball's underneath him, and, and, and he's just he's laying there, and you you know you're like he's he's done, and not only did you know he was done for that day, but you're thinking how long's he out for? Right. I certainly didn't think only four days. Yeah, um, he got cleared from the concussion protocol today. Yeah, I think McCarthy said like at one o'clock maybe. McCarthy said so, at one o'clock he found out, and so I mean there there. They probably lose without him. 13 catches, 132 yards, two touchdowns. That's a career high in all those numbers. Keith, take it away about the receptions in Don Hudson. All right, 1942, October 18th versus the Cleveland Rams. Now, Lee Rummel would have seen that. Give me a good Lee impression. (laughs) Well, well, Bill, uh, Don Hudson uh, ran the post and... Went down and looped his arm around the uh, the goalpost and caught it for a touchdown. Does that do it? <laughs> we love. Uh, by the way, we we love Lee Remmel. So so please know that is a that is my best heartfelt tribute to uh, to a, a really really great man and a, a piece of Packers history that is 
that is always missed. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm, just, you know, and the the great thing about Lee, if I can, if I can uh, sidestep for a minute, Lee would. I remember when I first met Lee um, when I interned with the Packers back in the '90s, and he, Lee, was a guy who he might forget like where his car keys were, <laughs> but he would uh, he would tell you a story about Don Hudson. Is as vividly as I would re- tell you what I ate for breakfast. I mean, just the details, and you know, Lee is you know he's telling stories from fifty years ago, like he just went to that game the previous week. It was, it was, it was crazy, and it was it was so cool to be around somebody like that. But you know, again, the the immortal Don Hudson, nineteen forty two. It's been seventy four years. All the Packers, not Donald Driver, not Sterling Sharp. Not Robert Brooks, not Antonio Freeman. None of those guys had 13 catches. And it's crazy. It's crazy. Nobody did it with, you know, James Lofton didn't. They didn't do it with Lynn Dickey at quarterback. They didn't do it in 89 with Magic. They didn't do it in 16 seasons of Brett Favre. They didn't do it up till this point with Aaron Rodgers through, you know, two league MVP seasons. It's, it's crazy. So Hudson had 13 catches in 1942. But he also had 14 catches in 1942. And I told this to Devontae after the game because I was talking to him. I was like, you know, what do you, what do you know about Don Hudson? You know, his name's on, the, on that, uh, that beautiful indoor facility across the street. And he's, he's like, you know, he said, I, I, don't, it's like, I don't really know much about him. It's like, I know he's a great player. He's like, I know he had, he had 13 catches and I tied him. And I told Devontae, I said, well, yeah, I said he had 13 catches in 1942. I said, and then a little over a month later, same year, he had 14 catches. And Devontae looks at me, and, you know, this is after all the TV cameras and everyone kind of wondering. He looks at me, and his eyes just got wide, and he goes, really? He's like, whoo, he's like 14? He's like, that's cool. <laughs> and it was, it was fun to see a guy who just had the day he had, like, stop for a second and think about his heart. You know, it took 74 years for somebody to get 13 catches, and the, the last guy that got 13 also got 14 the same year. And it's just, you know, and as, uh, as I got done talking to, uh, to Devontae and the, the PR guys, you know, Devontae did his uh, due diligence and was, you know, happy to sit there and talk. But, you know, at some point they start to pull him away. And uh, um, Mike Clemens, uh, our, uh, our friend in radio, went up and said, you really need to do yourself a favor and check out some footage of Hudson because he's a guy from another era that you could drop in today. And you would be amazed. And I, I think that's true because, you know, Hudson certainly would be, you know, slighter of frame compared to today's receivers. But, I mean, his speed and his moves and just his smarts and instincts was amazing. And, and the numbers he put up back then in an era where, you know, it was still three yards in a cloud of dust is amazing. So what a – it's a, how we went from watching just what we thought was an awful game to watching it a historic game where Adams is doing that and you've got, you know, Rogers setting the record of 39 completions and, you know, what, three guys, uh, three guys with 10 plus catches. You know, I, I remember fans, fans do not like Devontae Adams. No, they don't because he's not Jeff Janis. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I joke, but I mean, it's true. He's not Jeff Janis. And people were so mad last year. And I get it to some extent. I mean, look at the, he, was, the, he was very he was very hyped up, and just I mean he he sort of fell flat on his face. Mm-hmm. I mean, he he had 
one of the, the worst seasons that we've seen a Packer receiver have. And I think with, with all the hype coming into it, and I think, you know, people felt a little teased from, you know, some of the things he did his rookie year, you know, the game against Dallas. But, yeah, he was a guy, much in the way that Janice gets a, gets a free pass and people just seem to root for him against, you know, all – common sense um, <laughs> that's well and i like i like jeff and i man i i i wish that you know i thought they should have forced fed him the offense a little more last year but but yeah adams is one of those guys that you know it's hard for him to catch a break and people just once they got down on him they stayed down on him but i don't think you can be down on him anymore well, they, that game here last year with the line was like you could go like 10 passes out of 21 or it was just ridiculous and people would so why do they keep throwing the ball to Adams? Why do they keep throwing the ball? Why is he even playing? Why is he even, I mean, I had people think he was going to get cut in training camp this year. Well, he just, yeah, I mean, not only, right. I mean, not only did you not think he was in the mix for the number three spot. I mean, you thought that Janice and Aberderis had passed him. And, yeah, you, you really wondered, you know, as the talk last summer was, will they keep six or seven? you started thinking, oh, well, you know what? Adams might be the seventh, and if he's not going to play special teams, will they keep him? And it, it's it's amazing. But, yeah, that, that game last year, I think, was really the one where, I mean, you're almost you're almost just like, stop stop throwing to him. Just just don't throw to him. And, and you had to start wondering, is he thinking, don't throw to me? I um, probably, back, gosh, back in, my, <laughs> back in my early 30s, I played in a, uh, a flag football league with some friends, bar league, Bill and... Uh, I remember one game, and and I have the I have the well earned hands of a of a lineman. Yeah, and all that goes. And uh, one game, one game, the wives showed up, and uh, my uh, my buddy, who was a, a college quarterback, uh, my friend Ryan, he he kept throwing to me because he wanted to wanted to make me look good for uh for the misses. And I, I finally went up to him in the huddle, and I'm like, "You got to stop throwing to me." And he's like, <laughs> "What?" And I'm like, "Stop, stop throwing to me!" I I dropping everything. And he's like, "But you're open," and I'm like. Please stop throwing. <laughs> I was, uh, that's a true story. And I, w- I remember watching Adams last year, and I, I just at one point thought to myself, I wonder if he's like, stop throwing to me, Aaron. Like just, I, clearly Aaron wasn't going to stop. But it was that I, I've never seen, I just don't know if that I've ever seen a guy get thrown to that many times, let alone not catch that many of them. So it was, it was stunning. But, yeah, people... People have really hung on to that, but now they have something new to hang on to. I think they, they need to cut him some slack. I mean, he's he's excited. I think he, you know, I don't even want to say he showed his toughness coming back from the concussion because it's it's not about it's not about being right. tough. I mean, he as bad as that hit looked, you know, they take baseline tests in the beginning of the year and he passed all his tests. But I mean, he was motivated to come back, and you know, he when he was talking to all of us after the game, he talked about you know wanting to prove to his, you know, his family and his teammates and his kind of his inner circle of friends that, you know, hey, he can do this. I mean, I think he, he feels that pressure of, of failed expectations a year ago. Remember I asked Rodgers about Adams during training camp, about why he trusts him so much and why he's got such belief in him. And he looked at me like, like I had three eyes. It was like, it was like are, are you stupid? I mean, you don't, you don't see him? The guy is it's got, the same look he gives when you ask why he doesn't throw to Janice. Yeah, I know. I've never asked him that. I totally understand that. But <laughs> now we see it. The guy, the guy is gifted. And you know what? Yes. I remember, you know, family night. He dropped a couple of passes. He dropped some in the preseason, and the fans are really on him. But this, that first touchdown catch that he had tonight, 
He, he reached around the defender's back he and made the catch. It, he caught it over the back of Bosby's shoulder. Unbelievable. In the air. So he was airborne, reaching over the shoulder with Bosby's arm in front of him, catching it, and then as he comes down to the ground, pulling it to his chest. A lot of guys don't make that catch over, the sh- over a, a defender's shoulder and then definitely aren't able to pull it to their chest as they're getting their feet down, falling backwards. So... Yeah, I mean that's just that that's elite athleticism. I mean, I mean that's why they drafted him to do that sort of stuff. So, yeah, it's a you you like to see that. They need they need more of that. I mean, if they're going to get this offense turned around, they need they need him. I mean, you're not going to get a repeat performance of this every week, but if this offense is now going to be, you know, Rogers throwing until his arms about ready to fall off. I mean, thinking that somebody's going to get nine or ten catches every week. I mean that. That might be uh, the new game plan. Not the only guy with a big game. Ty Montgomery, 10 catches, 66 yards. That's back-to-back 10-catch games. The first guy for the Packers since Sterling Sharp. Wow. You did did some some deep research on this, Bill. Uh, We have this thing in the transcripts when I come up with a set. It's called Packer Report Stats Information rather than ESPN Stats Information. Or sometimes it's Packer Report Stats are for losers and information. (laughs) But... He ran for 60 yards, caught 10 passes, and had 66 receiving yards. He is the first player this year with all those numbers, and the third player in, over the last three-plus seasons with that. Um, some guy from the Ravens who I never heard of did it last year, and Matt Forte did it three times in 13 and 14. That's just kind of the rare error from Ty Montgomery. And I, again, I don't know if this is sustainable for him. I mean, at some point, defenses are going to figure, I would think, would figure this out. But He caught a lot of stuff with nobody, yeah. nobody on him. I don't, know if it, I don't know at what point the Bears were, were like, all right, maybe, maybe he's not a decoy. I mean, he kept running out of the backfield, getting thrown to consistently. What you like about it is if teams are going to sit back and play coverage the whole game, who's going to cover him? Because he's clearly too fast for linebackers. Yeah. So, and, and, and later in the game, the Bears kind of put, a, put an extra DB in there. And if you're going to put an extra B, DB in there, now you can run the ball. And Montgomery had some success running the ball in the second half. I, I think maybe they found something, and I, I'm sure there's a solution for it as a defensive coordinator. I am not one of those, so I don't know. But it's giving a I mean, shot short, in the short, arm. Of, short of shadowing him with somebody equally athletic, I mean, a, you know, safety or, or hybrid linebacker type, I mean, that's what – I think that's what teams are going to have to do. I, I asked Montgomery after the game, too. I'm like, when's the last time you ran the ball this much? And he kind of stopped, and he looked, and he's like, middle school? <laughs> <laughs> but he seemed to have a lot of fun with it. But I asked him if he was tired. He said the adrenaline was still going, but he was hungry. And I'm like, you you should be. Because there, there was a play late in the game. I want to say it was a it was an 11-yard. He lined up on on Rogers' right and took a handoff and went around to the left for 11 yards and just just got pasted by two bear defenders and he got up a little slow and you're like this guy has got to be tired. I mean they ran him ragged but he didn't let him down. This is what and I remember last training camp. I mean he dominated training camp. Mm-hmm. And I remember he made some ridiculous catch from Rogers and there was all the scouts at training camp throws on the side. And they were just high fiving each other and smiling. It's like they just knew they had, <laughs> they knew they had a star in the making. And yeah. it all went haywire last year with the ankle injury and, and all yeah. that. And he had a bad training camp when he came back finally and bad preseason. And 
they would be up a creek without the guy. Oh, yeah. And, and again, it, unexpected performances. I mean, you when you look at why the offense is struggling, you think, well, Nelson's got to get on track. Nelson only had one catch tonight. But Nelson also was drawing Tracy Porter for most of the night, which with the injuries the Bears had, I mean, he's their top corner. And I think that freed up some of the other guys to do stuff. So that had that had a, a definite trickle-down effect. But you felt like if this offense was going to fix itself, it was going to be Nelson stepping up and, and, you know, Cobb having a big game. And Cobb certainly did, but, you know, or Lacey having a big game or, you know, Cook coming back. But you don't look at guys like Adams and Montgomery and think, oh, well, you know what, this is how we're going to win. But there's a reason these guys are on the roster. And, again, if, if what you think was supposed to work isn't working – I mean, these guys could definitely be a solution. This is, aside from the first half against Detroit, this is the second half of this game is the best the offense has Right. Played. It's not even close. At one point tonight, Rodgers had 36 completions. The Bears had run 35 plays. Oh, my gosh. And it was just total domination. Um, now, of course, the million-dollar question is, is this sustainable? Against someone other than the Bears, I, I don't know if the Falcons have a good defense at all, but that's on the road. Something we'll get a test next week about is this offense. I mean, Beasley. Something close Beasley to back. Tough. He's a guy they're going to have to account for. But yes, the the caveat is that this was a Bears defense that wasn't that great when healthy and wasn't healthy. That yeah. said, they were a one and five team that was, you know, as desperate to win as the Packers were, and they came in having come to Lambeau Field last year and ruined that Thanksgiving Day night with Favre in the house and Bart Starr in the house and monsoon weather coming down. And that was one of the Packers' worst games that I've seen them play in years last year, that Thanksgiving Day night. And was that the week after they lost to Detroit? Yep. I mean, those were those were where they had Ron Wolf in the house. So clearly don't bring back anybody from that era. But, that's uh, right. That's, that's, we, we talked about that last yeah, week. And look yeah. at Brett, Brett Favre is in uh, Mississippi, and the Packers win. So there you go, everybody. It's, exactly. Expert but, analysis from Packer Report. I know. But they, uh, I mean, they, they played horrible against the Bears last year. So the Bears came in with some confidence. So, you know, again, it's, it's the caveat of who the Bears are. But, again, you, get, you beat a team by a couple touchdowns that you thought you should have beat by double digits. So, you know, you you got to be happy about that. I think you, you you don't need to feel bad about this win. I don't think you need to qualify the win. I don't know if people are still going to be complaining about stuff this week. They shouldn't. I mean, there's going to there's going to be some losses this year. Save your save your complaints and your lamenting for the losses, but I mean, this is a game people should feel pretty good about, I think. Probably should talk about the defense. Um again, when, you, when Brian Hoyer goes out, they're, they're screwed. But you know what? At the end of the day, though, you know, Hoyer, Hoyer was 4 out of 11. Now, Hoyer came into this game with four consecutive games at 300 yards and no interceptions. Yeah. The first time in Bears history. Of course, the Bears have never had a good quarterback in their history. So, again, that is an asterisk, too. Sid Luckman? Yeah, no offense to Sid Luckman, God rest his soul. Um, but they never had a guy with 300 yards and no interceptions in more than two games. So Hoyer done it four in a row. He's 4-11 for 49 yards. Everybody's the guy that people were just trashing after that game and all this week was Ladarius Gunter. They match him on Elshon Jeffrey. Jeffrey, three catches, 33 yards, but three catches on 11 targets. So, I, 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 you know, 
I'm telling you people, Ladarius Gunter's a good football player. I'm not saying he's all-world, he's got issues. But in a perfect world, he's your number four corner. Right. He's pretty darn good at it, and he hit a hell of a game tonight. He's, he's really instinctive, and he's physical. Yes. And he runs a 4 7 40. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there's, there's that. And, and that is, uh, that's, uh, that's, not, uh, that's not theoretics here. I think it was a 4 6 9. I mean, he, is, he, does not, he did not time well. That's why he didn't get drafted. But, I mean, he's a, he's a big, instinctive guy, and he keeps guys in front of him. And, and he doesn't, you know, when you don't have that makeup speed, you better make sure your first step's in the right direction, and I think his usually is. Obviously, he struggled last week against Dallas. I mean, that was was a pretty awful performance. I'm sure he'd say the same, but, man, he he locked down Jeffrey, and, you know, Bill, some, somehow the, the games always work back to my, my horrible, horrible fantasy football lineup. I, <laughs> I have Jeffrey. So oh, yeah, here. so do I. I also had Rodgers, so I, I really was feeling – pretty bad in the first half. Rodgers helped me out with that second half. I also picked up Don Jackson, but as I told you, I did not start him. That really tells you about my running back situation. But <laughs> I felt the need to pick up Don Jackson. But yeah, Gunther did a just a tremendous job on Jeffrey. And I mean, you know, you had Jeffrey and you had Meredith too. Meredith right. had had what? 20 catches 20 the last catches two games. over the last two, yeah. So One for 12. Yeah. There's a lot to like. Um, we'll find out once against Atlanta what, what, if any of this means anything. Falcons are in a week and a half, and at some point you figure maybe Randall will be back, maybe Rollins will be back, and a team that had a, a pretty good team on the inactives list maybe will be somewhat healthy for the Falcons. That, that Falcons offense is scary. Unbelievable. So we saw that here that was that last year or two years ago when, when uh, Julio Jones had eight gazillion yards. Oh I think it was 14. Yeah, you know, and, and the Falcons are one of those teams you look at them on paper – and wonder how they're not contending for a Super Bowl every year, and they they continually find ways to come up short. But this seems like a year where they're really putting some things together. And again, they're you know their their defense isn't great, I don't think, but they you know Beasley and a you know a couple other guys are are making some plays for them. But man, it's it's hard to think that without Randall and Rollins and Shields, of course that that secondary will have success. But you know what? They held Beckham Jr. in check. Yes, they did. They stumbled against, you know, guys named Beasley and Butler and, and Whitehead against Dallas, which sounds like a law firm that I wouldn't want to use. No, you wouldn't want to use that. No, they're and, uh, malpractice. And then they, you know, and then they come back against Jeffrey and Meredith. So I don't know which which secondary is going to show up against Atlanta. I guess, you know, that's that's going to determine a lot in that game. Very good, Keith. Hell of a game. We'll uh, do this again next Sunday after the uh, their big Packers-Falcons game where I think we'll really learn about where this football team is. I think so. And, you know, that, that it's a game built that I think even if they lose, depending on how they look losing that game, you can still feel good about the long-term prospects of the season, especially with the Colts coming to town following the Falcons. I mean – People shouldn't be, uh, you know, thrown in the towel and, and crawling out on the ledge again if they lose to the Falcons. It's a very good team. If they look good, though, if you see progress, if some of these guys that we've talked about tonight are still making plays, then you know what? It's a long season. All right, everybody, that'll do it for this episode of Locked On Packers. Be sure to go to PackReport.com. We've got complete coverage of this game, including a bunch of highlight videos from the NFL and really cool news. If you sign up for a one-year Pack Report subscription, 
You get Sports Illustrated for a year. That's a damn good deal. So once again, go to packreport.com for uh, complete coverage of the game, and I will talk to you. Oh, I also talked to Wayne Larravee for Monday's podcast, and Wayne's going to join us on a weekly basis. So once again, thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys on Monday. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite college team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.